Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. As the name says, we are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have the marketing and business coaches, consultants, and mentors. We have the folks who help others create their businesses, and we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the levers. If you are one or more of the above, and many of our listeners who tune in every week are all of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how we help you in your endeavors. Take a look at our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, and also subscribe to us on your favorite syndication networks such as iTunes. Uh, also, like our fan page on Facebook, Business Creators Radio Show, and be sure to subscribe to our Business Creators YouTube channel. We are so excited to have you on board today because we have a great, timeless topic that I love having on this show and can never get enough of because there are so many great viewpoints on it, and this is a question that comes up so often inside the discussion groups where I participate. And this is about how to be a thought leader in the digital world. I mean, we have debates on what the term thought leader means. And has it been bastardized? Does it have a deep meaning? Is it something you should aspire to? Is it something you should run away from? And how do you do it digitally? How do you become a digital thought leader? So many questions around this. And I'd like to maybe clear the air and get some of this all arranged today. If we could do so, that'd be great. Now, to help us with that, we have on board with us Alistair Clay, and let me just tell you a little bit about him. He is an award-winning former national journalist with 20 years' experience working with the media and PR. In 2016, Alistair co-founded Class PR with his business partner and wife, Gemma, or Gemma Clay, who's going to, he's going to correct me on that in one second, to teach business leaders and entrepreneurs how to use media coverage to become a trusted thought leader in the digital space. Class PR has now empowered hundreds of entrepreneurs around the world to land major national media coverage on TV and print and online. Now, this is pretty exciting stuff, so let's just get started. Alistair, come on in. The weather's fine. It's great to be here, Adam. Lovely to be with you. Awesome, awesome. Here's what I'd like to do, and we do this on Business Creators Radio Show every episode. I read off your official biography, which is very great, and it tells us a lot about what you're doing right now, what, uh, what you and your wife have created with Class PR, and I think that's great. But what we'd like to do is just sort of take a step back and learn a little bit more about your journey and your trajectory and what has happened to bring you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. So if you could tell us a little bit about that, that'd be great. Sure. Well, um always happy to talk about myself now um so if we kind of go back to like the late 90s um that was when i first got into journalism i graduated from university and i decided that journalism was the thing that i wanted to do and i was very fortunate that over in the uk i was um quick very quickly um accepted onto a, a, a kind of a fast track graduate scheme which meant i worked on one of the national newspapers in the uk the daily mirror straight away at like the age of 22 so instead of spending years working my way through local media, you know, regional media, and then up onto the nationals. I went straight in kind of at the top, which was a bit of a baptism of fire, but also it was, it was a great way to accelerate my learning. And remember, I kind of started in the media working as a news journalist in 98. So that was just the moment, really, that the kind of the internet was exploding, that kind of the first wave, the dot-com bubble and everything. So it was a really fascinating moment to come into the news media because you could see that everybody was thinking, how is this going to kind of change the way news is created, news is distributed? And I think a lot of uh, traditional news outlets were actually quite slow off the mark with it. But anyway, that was that was kind of where I started. So I spent about five years there working, earning, you know, learning my trade as a doing political journalism, celebrity journalism, business journalism, everything, you know, kind of working 16 hour days and, uh, you know, being screamed at by news editors. And, and, and it was a uh, it was like I said, it was a baptism of fire, but it really what I was learning from, you know, some of the greatest journalists over in the UK. It was a real privilege. 
So I spent five years doing that. And then I kind of, as I said, like I said, as the internet was, was, was growing really rapidly, I then moved across to a national broadcaster, TV broadcaster in the UK and then worked on their uh, TV and digital platforms as a news journalist for about the next five years. So in all, in right. all, I spent 10 years working as a journalist. And then I thought, and then I kind of, I could see that the kind of the game was changing a bit. And you know, frankly, you know, journalism was evolving more organizations were sort of bringing journalists in-house almost more businesses to create their own content if you like and then to feed that out to 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 the national media or the specialist media or whoever they wanted to 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 engage with and so i thought this was a great opportunity to to move away from journalism and into public relations which is you know it's two sides of the same coin a lot of the time and so i then um to get a bit of experience i, w- I was head of press for a big international children's charity I did that for about three years, and then I set up my own agency. So I set up Arc Seven Communications, which has been going now for about eight years, and uh, that uh, that's a PR agency which focuses mainly in health and social care sector, and working with big companies like massive companies with big budgets on their public relations, reputation management, crisis communications, big meaty stuff. But all along that, I would have people kind of get in contact with us and say, you know, I'm running, the, I've got this really exciting new startup business or I've disrupted a business. Or, and they, they just didn't obviously have the budgets to hire a big PR agency. And so I'm kind of giving right. them a bit of advice as a friend on the side. But I kept thinking, there's got to be a way to make high quality PR counsel and advice available to smaller startup businesses who can't afford, you know, two three thousand dollars a month on a retainer but you know they they've got the the passion they've got great stories they've got great content but they just don't understand how to how to shape it into newsworthy content and to and to pitch it and to get it out there and to and crucially as we're talking about today to become thought leaders so about three years ago my wife and i who's worked in pr herself for over 15 years came up with this idea to model the process to, to reverse engineer everything we'd learned and to create an algorithm, if you like, a process that anybody could follow to learn how to do PR for their own business. Up to a point, of course, because you make of a point where your business grows that you do need to hire a, a PR agency or you do need to bring somebody in-house. But at the beginning, when you're small, there is a way that you can kind of do this yourself. So we created this online course at Class PR that teaches anybody, like with no experience, how to follow these seven proven steps to to, to find to identify what makes them newsworthy, where the stories exist in their business, how to rank them, how to find thought leadership opportunities, how to shape, how to write like a journalist, because that's absolutely critical when you're pitching, how to create a PR strategy for an entire year. All the elements that we would apply to a big business, we distill that down into a simple to follow process that that anybody can kind of learn for themselves and and, and, uh, and you know, like I say, you know, we've had hundreds of people go through this this online school, and they've had they've had great success. And you know, rather than paying thousands of dollars a month, you know, they're paying a one-off fee to do this course, and then they kind of have access to that for a lifetime. So it's um, it's a way that you could be running a small business, but get access to, you know, not bragging, but somebody who's been in the game for 20 years. So um, so yeah, so that's that's kind of how. You know, my journey took me from news journalism, you know, made that transition into PR. And then that transition for myself, really, as an entrepreneur to set up an online training business to make what I've learned available to anybody who wants to find out more about it. Wow. See, that's fantastic. And I appreciate what you have accomplished with Class PR and doing that, because that is a big misconception that we have to spend all kinds of money to establish our thought leadership or get coverage or things like that. But you know, we know full well that if you want to reach the media, you have tools like social media. You have the ability to generate news, to create news. I mean, how if the, uh, the mainstream media can make stuff up, so can the average random entrepreneur is how I look at it. <laughs> and whether you agree or disagree with that statement, uh, the power you – know, the power proposition that comes with what I said does make sense and it does translate. Anybody can make news. It's a matter of how to do that properly and effectively so that the news you're creating becomes a story, is, is at least my view exactly. on it. And you may that, agree with that language right. or disagree with it. No, 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 you're absolutely right. You, you need to understand the rules of the game and what makes something newsworthy, what, what 
you know, a journalist at the New York Times, TechCrunch, Mashable, a massive podcast, a big blog. You know, people sometimes draw a distinction between the mainstream media and, and like you say, more digital channels like podcasts and blogs and everything. But once those podcasts and blogs get to a certain size, what they judge to be relevant to them, newsworthy, is following the same laws of gravity, frankly, that somebody who's writing for the New York Times is. There is not that much of a distinction. Once you understand how the game works, you can play in both of those areas. Now, what I would say, another reason why... I really encourage you know entrepreneurs to under, to get to get a grip of what PR really is and how they can apply it to their business and how they can become a thought leader leader not just so I can you know make more of a success of class PR but frankly when you are at the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey when you are a startup when you have a small business unless you take some ownership of this yourself right it will never succeed it doesn't matter how much money you spend on a PR agency, they can't kind of come and do this stuff to you. They can't turn you into a thought leader. You have to have an appetite to do this yourself. And to be really effective as a thought leader, you have to be nimble, you have to be fast, you have to be flexible. So you have to have your own news radar turned on as a business leader. You can't expect somebody just to come along and do that to you. Sure, if you're a massive business, you hire big PR agencies to run big PR campaigns for product launches and stuff. But very specifically, if you want to be a thought leader, which is a way as a small business owner to get big media coverage for not much spend and kind of punch well above your weight, you need to understand this yourself. You can't you can't delegate it to somebody else. And that's why I think we've put a lot of people through our online training courses is because, you know, there are opportunities there for startups and small business owners to get major media coverage in the mainstream media, but also in the high-profile blogs and podcasts that, that, that are relevant to their audiences. And they need to have that mindset themselves about what makes a story, what makes interesting comment and opinion, what is going to make me a thought leader. So taking the time to, to learn those skills themselves sets them apart from their competition. I've seen it hundreds of times. Right. Very good. And I think you know, you raised a lot of good points there. And what I was getting ready to say is I think many of our listeners and you, Alistair, will be aware of this as well, is you see so many websites out there where uh, especially small business owners, entrepreneurs, when we call the business creators, will have, it says, as seen on. And then it'll have the mm-hmm. logos for every major media news network. <laughs> and mm-hmm. what we often find is people will go up to those websites and say, oh, you're on Fox News, you're on BBC, you're in Daily Mail, you're on CNN, you're on NBC, you are on uh, uh, Russia Today. Show us mm-hmm. your interviews. Show us mm-hmm. the media coverage. Now, in many mm-hmm. cases, uh, the way they got that those logos was by issuing a press release, which is valid because if the press release was published through those outlets, then they were seen on those outlets. doesn't matter how many people mm-hmm. saw them. In fact, they saw it. It is technically legitimate. Uh, however, it does raise those questions as, oh, you're on that network? Well, show us your interview on their primetime news station. Like, uh, yeah. Okay. So, 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 so it takes people down a rabbit hole that just wastes everybody's time. What I'm starting to see with those blocks, and this goes back to something you said, is we're starting to see people say, as seen on, and then they put the logos of podcasts they've been on. And it's very easy to say, hey, look, I was on this episode. So the fact that people are putting up their as-seen-in or as-seen-on blocks, and they're putting logos for podcasts, shows how powerful the new media has become. 100%. Like I say, you know, I mean, we are in 2019 now. So, uh, you know, to, to kind of I sometimes feel, you know, to sort of, to even to talk nowadays about a distinction between, mainstream media and you know podcasts or blogs or online news sites has kind of just become irrelevant really you know there are media brands there are media brands out there they may be the guardian they may be fox but they could be you know uh, a a massive podcast like smart passive income or eo fire or they could be if you're into wellness it could be the rich roll podcast or you know if you're into you know tech radar or mashable or tech crunch or you know what we have to we have to adjust our thinking and just think about these are channels 
by which we can get information to our audiences. These are media right. brands. And, and equally, the likes of Guard, you know, The Guardian, New York Times, more traditional media outlets, you know, they themselves have to be relevant on digital channels as well. Otherwise, they're finished. <laughs> so, so, you know, so, to, to, so, so I really think nowadays we have to kind of, everything is digital. Right, you know, even if even if you know a print newspaper version still exists of the Guardian or or the Washington Post or whatever, that's great. Right. But essentially, these are all digital media organisations, and they share Correct. their information via digital channels. And you need to know how to play in that space, basically. Correct. And what people also need to know, especially with the trend we're seeing in the world of what's called cutting the cord, uh, cancelling your cable. Uh, I haven't had cable for six years. But I get all the news I need. You know where I find it? I find it online. And yeah. I find it in small pieces. So these, uh, some people might call them the mainstream media. Some people call them the legacy media. Some people call them the corporate bought and owned fake news. I mean, whatever name you want to put on it. But mm -hmm. the traditional, I'll use that term for myself, traditional media, the names that we all know, have, for the most part, adapted into the digital space and have also adapted into digital consumption, which means short clips, uh, short pieces of news, sound bites, small pieces that are easily digestible because the current human being has a, how should we say, a, an attention span that is so drastically reduced as a result of the instantaneous nature of media these days that if uh, I were to go to um, dailymail.co.uk and hit enter on my, on my browser bar, and that website wasn't fully loaded by the time I hit enter, I would leave. Now, yes, I personally I mean, a lot of people would think that way. That's how fast things have to be, and that's how small and granular your content has to be these days. So uh, you can call it whatever kind of media you want, but most of them have, in fact, adapted to it. So uh, some people say, Oh man, that's awesome! Their ratings suck, and I hate their coverage. So I'm glad to see them go under the go under the under the tubes. But that may be simply refer referring to one way that that network is being viewed, and in many cases, that's looking at traditional television or cable viewers. But it doesn't take into account their digital reach, which in some cases is actually more important. Absolutely. I mean, right now over in the UK, the BBC is going through a really interesting process of um, yeah. re-engineering their online content because, you know, they recognize right. that millennials and younger, younger, younger consumers of, of information, they don't want to read a huge, long, you know, piece of copy. They want infographics. They want, um, you know, they, they want to be able to scroll and see pieces of information that jump out very quickly and kind of hit them with big facts. They want like rich video content in there and all this sort of stuff. So it's more about, you know, how the content is delivered and of course, but what I would say underlining all of this, no matter if it's you know, a three word tweet or a 10 second video or whatever, what underlines all of that is still news value. That will never change. Yeah. What is it that makes somebody sit up and take notice? And, and the reason that will never change is because it's actually an emotional trigger. You know, and it's, you know, you can right. even take it deeper. It's based on our physiology, on our biology, on the things that we would have taken notice of when we were sat in a cave and we thought a tiger was around the corner. And so yeah. those are those are the triggers that you are trying to tune into as a thought leader when you're trying to do PR for your own business. And if you don't understand um, how uh, creative you have to be, how emotive you have to be with your, with your content, how new you have to be, how, how fresh your news angle has to be, you will not succeed. But that's not to scare people. It's about understanding. There are rules to this game. And once you understand yeah. them, like any game, then you can play. <laughs> exactly. So what we've done here is we've laid a groundwork for what the playing field looks like today. So if you want to enter this field and become a thought leader, and just to close that up, one of the things that jumps out is, as you said, and I said actually, both of us, is people want short pieces of information. They're not necessarily looking to read a long article. However, if a person is highly interested in the topic, they may click through and read the longer article. But you don't capture them by saying, wow, I've put up together a 
1,750-word super informative article. That's not how you're going to get their attention and get them to read the article. They're not going to say, wow, that's a long article. It's probably greatly researched and worth my time to read. No, no, no. You've got you've to hook them into the value of the content itself and show them their interest in going deeper. And until such time as you do that, then that's not really the best place to spend your time. Totally agree. I mean, it's funny because I always thought, and I, it always used to baffle me that some journalists who I used to work with were kind of slow to really appreciate the impact that social media, that especially Twitter, was going to have on the world. It's because when we were trained right. as journalists, you know, 20 years ago, we were taught that you had 20 words in your intro part of any news story, right, in that first paragraph. And if you don't communicate the entire story in those first 20 words, and it's, you know, it's called the news hook and grab somebody's attention, forget it. The rest of the story is irrelevant. It doesn't matter if it's a Pulitzer Prize winning 5,000 word essay or whatever. Everything is about those first 20 words. And, and right. really, that's where we're at still today is that you have to be able to create that hook, that thing, like you say, in this incredibly noisy world online that grabs somebody's attention and you know and there are dark ways to do that in terms of using you know fear and fake newsery but there are also if you're running a small business let's bring it back to you know business creators it's about telling the most compelling story about your business as quickly as possible and not being afraid uh, not being afraid to kind of really say why you are disrupting why you are a first why you are having massive impact on your customers and that's what you need to learn to be able to do and if you want to be a thought leader you need to understand where your business fits in the wider news context because that's how you're going to be a thought leader is really think about your niche where you fit in a much wider news context and then always anticipating opportunities to offer comment and opinion on things that matter right. to your customers because that's the reason we're doing all this pr and this all this thought leadership right it's not just for vanity it's not just for glory it is ultimately is to build trust in our businesses with the people who we want to uh, have a relationship with, who we want to ultimately be our customers, because customers will buy from right. you if they trust you. And that's the whole reason right. for thought leadership, is it's to build trust. Yeah. And, exactly. and to go back to your earlier point, you know, and sorry, yeah. but and just to go back to your earlier point, if there's a string of logos there, Forbes, Entrepreneur, uh, Inc., you know, Guardian on everybody's website, but it's not backed up, by the fact, and here is actually 12 interviews I did with The Guardian, and here is uh, three pieces that we've had featured on entrepreneur.com, then right. the trust that you're trying to build is an illusion. So forget it. Just don't waste your time. Better not put the logos there. You know, if yeah. you're going to do this stuff, it's got to be real, and then it will work for you. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah. And my response to that whole issue has been, you know, if you want to put up nine uh, – you want to call them mainstream, legacy, traditional, whatever word you're calling it, nine of those logos up, and eight of them are BS, and one of them is an actual video clip of you being interviewed on your topic, best to just say you were interviewed on the one and show the proof, because that's 100%. one more than a lot of people have, truth be told. Yeah, yeah, 100%, because that's the thing, is everybody's yeah. doing it now, so then it becomes meaningless. You know, right. and like I say, you know, it's, what your, you know, you've probably, whatever your small business is, you've probably got a, quite a niche audience. So they will be interested, you know, listening to you on a relevant podcast or on a, you know, reading about you on a relevant blog. Don't think you've just got to put the same five, like you say, mainstream media logos as everybody else. Or even, like I say, major, big, uh, new digital players logos. Because if it's not, if it's not real, then, then it's going to bite you on the ass. And another thing is that when you are outreaching to those journalists and then they come and look at your website and go, why have you got our logo on there? We've never spoken to you. That is going to piss them off. <laughs> so, you oh, know, yeah. so you need to, you need to think about that side of it as well. Just be real, be authentic. You know, the problem I always find, especially coming from a journalist's point of view, and it, I was slightly hesitant moving into PR, into public relations, is that the irony is is that PR has a very bad reputation. It's seen as dark art, it's seen as spin, it's seen as, you know, there's propaganda, as fake newsery. And actually, you know, that's not the way I like to work. And it's about but what you can do is tell people how to tell their story as clearly and as compellingly as possible. Because most people haven't got the first clue how to do that. And if you just do that, you'll be head and shoulders uh, above the rest without 
leading to BS it. Right, precisely. Uh, I agree with that 100%. So we've had a great background here in helping people understand the playing field they're on right now. And I fear that if we don't move away from this, we're going to use the entire hour just pitching back and <laughs> forth on media logos. We're already 25 minutes through. Now, this is extremely valuable because this is a great framework that I think more people need to hear. What you and I have just discussed up until now is something that needs to be understood by more people who seek thought leadership, but it's not even coming up in the conversation. A lot of people are missing out. So understanding this framework I think it's really going to inform everything else we need to cover. So what I'd like to do now, Alistair, is define our terms. So I'm going to ask a question. What is a thought leader? To me, a thought leader is somebody who holds genuine expertise about their topic, their subject, their, 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 their business field in which they work. And so to be a thought leader, you need to, frankly, to have been in that world for a little bit of time because you would need – you know, in, in, especially in this era of, you know, online experts and everything, you know, you can learn something in a weekend or whatever. If you want to be a genuine thought leader, you need to have, have experience, experience which is muscle in your body, not just kind of the latest book you've read. So to be a, to be a genuine thought leader, you need to have experience because then you can you can offer insight and opinion, which is based in real experience and knowing how things play out in your sector over a cyclical basis, maybe you go. Oh, okay, we've seen this pattern before. We've seen this trend before. You can draw on on that experience to make uh, to bring comment and analysis. So, a genuine thought leader is somebody who has been in their in their game for a, you know I would say at least ten years. Really, um, they need to have uh, a strong voice. They need to be unafraid to offer thought and opinion. And also, a genuine thought leader, in my mind, is somebody who brings original research to the field in which they're working as well, new data, new insights. Um, and then then I'm going to want to listen to you. But if you're just a kind of noisy, um, sounding off sort of person, but without actually bringing any sort of uh, interesting analysis to the, to the field in which you work, then it's not really going to work for you because, like I said, what you're trying to do is build trust. Right. Right. So uh, what you're saying basically is a person can't read a 12-page ebook on a topic and then decide that they know everything about it and uh, declare themselves a thought leader. They actually like have to go out and like do it and stuff. Uh, you said it much better than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because because everybody can do that, you know. And so like, and the hard thing is sticking at something for, for bloody years, you know. And that's. But that in in this age of you know uh, too much information and you know too much opinion, I would argue that's what's going to make you stand out is if you've kind of really mastered something, you know, mastered a uh, you know you're a master chef or you're a master businessman or you're a master artist or you're a, you know a master sportsman. You know these people who practice things for ten thousand hours that makes you a master of something and that gives you, in my mind, if you want to be a serious thought leader, the the uh, the right to speak about that issue. So I'm sorry to right. say, but you know it's something that comes with time as well, and that's a bit boring to say that. But those are the thought leaders that I like to listen to because then I know I can trust this information. You know, if I'm listening to somebody, you know, like when I went through my journalistic training, you know, especially in those first few years, you know, I was training with journalists who've been doing it for 30, 40 years. They've written every story that could be written. Okay, there may be different names in it and different places and technology may change, whatever, but essentially the same human plays they had covered many, many times. So what you can learn, they were thought leaders in journalism because they'd seen it all, they'd done it all, and they were, I could learn from them knowing that what they were telling me was trustworthy information. And I think that's what makes a thought leader is, you know, look in the mirror. Is the information you're giving, you don't have to know everything, but is it grounded in real experience? And, you know, can, can, can other people trust the information that you're giving them? Like I know when I speak to people about what makes something newsworthy, how the media works, how you can create a story about your business. I'm not, you know, blowing my own trumpet here, but I may not be the greatest on the planet. In fact, I'm certainly not. But I know enough that I, I feel comfortable giving people advice and, you know, charging them for that advice and for them walking away and me going, yeah, I've done a good job there. But that, that you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. So it's, um, yeah, a thought leader is somebody who's 
studied. <laughs> right. Right. And I would say, and I would say a combination of studying and actually doing. In my yes, early yeah, when days, I say study, I don't mean books. Yeah. I don't, yeah, sorry, I, I meant Well, right, well, well, well I, I, yeah, we, you and I have the same definition of what we mean by yeah. study, which is basically to actually get into it. And I recall um, during yeah. my early days as an entrepreneur, and I had a client um, who, uh, this was back in the mid-2000s, or late 2000s, actually. I think this is about our 30th or 31st client of the first firm that we owned, so about 10, 11, 12 years ago, maybe. And uh, they saw they were at a conference somewhere, and somebody got up on stage and said, "You know, you should do Google Ads." And I have a twenty-five thousand dollar program that'll do your Google Ads for you. So this person, a client of ours, comes to me and says, um, "I need to have my Google Ad campaign up and running by tomorrow afternoon. So I need you to become an expert in Google Ads and set it up." Mm-hmm. Like, you want me to? You want me to? delve into something that I've already said that my firm doesn't do, then in fact we have a reciprocal referral relationship with a firm that does it. Mm -hmm. And you want me to take it on, read a book to become an expert, and set all this up so that it's up and running within 18 hours? (laughs) Thinking thinking you might be a little bit off on what thought leadership means or any sort of leadership means, actually, because – there are there are a couple of people, and I mean literally a couple of people, that I would trust to even refer somebody for a conversation with about mm-hmm. Facebook ads or Google ads or LinkedIn ads mm-hmm. or any sort of online media buying. I could, mm-hmm. And there are a thousand people out there who say they do it, but there are two, maybe three people that I would even suggest are worth having a conversation. And you know what those two or three mm-hmm. people have in pro- common? They've been in it for a long time, and they and they failed spectacularly to figure out how to do it. Yep, <laughs> I would utterly agree with that. And I've come unstuck dealing with people who proclaim to be an expert. And, and I think that's the that's the danger with the, you know working in the digital space is because it has evolved so quickly and continues to evolve so quickly. That has meant a lot of people have come into that space and done a course over a weekend and then proclaim themselves to be an expert. And right. uh, that's that's really, that's really dangerous. And also, and this is where you know we've really kind of put our flag in the ground as a PR agency is that in the digital space, it's very easy for disciplines to blur. So people who work in PR start to go, okay, well maybe we should be doing a bit of Google advertising. We should be doing a bit of Facebook advertising. And people who work in advertising say, well maybe we should be doing you know you know working more with journalists and pitching ideas. And so people step out of the realms of their disciplines. And I'm not saying. You can't be a polymath and learn different things, but do it properly. And don't just like you. I mean, that was a great example. Don't try and wing it, basically, because you'll come unstuck. And certainly, if you don't want to put yourself forward in the public sphere as a thought leader on that issue, well, that is just asking for trouble. <laughs> Unless you really know what right. you're talking about. Well, my very, very, very first ebook was called Website Design Secrets Revealed, and it came out in the year 2009. And inside that book, I, uh, which is no longer available for sale because it's outdated, by the way, but back then, everybody wanted more SEO. And it was so hot, we have to get SEO, SEO, SEO. And I made the point that if you're looking for somebody to handle your search engine optimization strategy, that you're either dealing with an SEO firm or you're not. So if you're dealing with some company that claims to be a master or jack-of-all-trades, and SEO is like the 19th bullet point of their 39 bullet points of services they render, that's not who you need running your search engine optimization strategy because that is something that requires thought leadership, that requires a level of experience, requires a level of specific focus. Either invest in an agency that specializes in that or don't do it. But I, mean, I argue SEO, that I argue that you should do it. But in a second, I'm going to ask you a question about how what we're talking about benefits that. But go ahead. No, well, uh, yeah, I mean, you should probably ask that question then, because I was about to say SEO is an interesting one actually, because that has yep. how that has evolved since the early days of the internet and the role quality news focused content plays in that now. Right. So uh, rather exactly. than just burying it. Burying a keyword at the back of a website a thousand times. <laughs> all right, all right, Alistair. Let's 
All right, Alistair, let's turn you loose here. How does media coverage drive traffic to your website, or as I say, visitors to your web page, and help your search engine optimization? So, uh, okay, bearing in mind the conversation we've just had, I am not an SEO expert. <laughs> but, right. I do, uh, but I do um, uh, work with them, and um, what, uh, what I have observed over the uh, – you know, the last decade and you know, more so even over just the last sort of, three or four years is the role that PR, that quality news content is playing in SEO more and more. So how does it, how does understanding what makes great news, how to, how to work with, you know, the mainstream media, but big blogs and podcasts and tell stories about your business, how does that impact your SEO? So first of all, if you are somebody who can understand what makes your newsworthy, and what makes your business newsworthy. You're going to be able to then create content yourself for your own uh, own channels, for your own website and everything that is more likely to be read, to be shared. This is, I'm talking at the low level here. And so that is going to have some sort of low-level impact on your, your, your search rankings if you are creating content that people want to read. And a lot of the time, what people want to read is stuff that's newsworthy, that's new, that's interesting about your business. Now, in terms of... Um, then getting working as a thought leader or sharing you know, interesting news stories about your business with the likes of the Guardian and New York Times, but like equally major major pods and blogs, uh, podcasts and blogs as well. You know the likes of Mashable, TechCrunch, whatever. Of course, if you are um, getting regular coverage there and you're then sharing it via social, that is making you more visible online. Google loves that purely just that that basic level of visibility, but. The big thing here and where I think PR is having a big impact on SEO is if you get backlinks. If you get backlinks right. in the coverage on those, uh, on, those, on those websites, on those, on those media platforms, if you get a backlink, you know, and it's hard work, but if you're getting a backlink on Forbes and The Guardian on the BBC, places like that, the, from what I understand and what I've experienced myself as well creating content, the, the authority that Google algorithms are giving to backlinks from um, highly respected and trusted media outlets is rocket fuel to your SEO, especially if you are doing this consistently. If you are, and that's, that's really the victory in, uh, good, uh, in a good SEO slash PR strategy is that you're not hoping right. for like a one hit wonder. You are doing this week in, week out. And, um, then you will start to see the relevance of your business go up, you know, go up online. Because ultimately what Google is trying to do, you know, like I said, I'm not a data scientist, but what Google is trying to do is to, as much as possible, replicate online the real world relevance of your business. So if you are genuinely a business who is, you know, doing well, who's being featured in the, in, in the mainstream media, but is also being featured in your trade media for, growing for doing well for coming up with innovations disruptions winning awards and everything you know google, that that's obviously means you are a business that's doing well in your sector and so google is working out how they can kind of reflect that relevance online and so backlinks from trusted media source uh, trusted media sources are absolutely imperative if you want to kind of have a, a powerful organic seo strategy of course you know i don't know any, you know i don't know much about paid google advertising and what works best there and right. everything but but, you know, in terms of trust, and we talk about trust, you know, if somebody sees that you're up there, you know, top three search engine, search results on page one of Google for, your, for, uh, for an inquiry related to your business, that is huge. That, gives, that builds huge trust in your business, more than having an advert, because anybody can pay for an advert. But if you are, you know, there through your merits of, of, of the content you've created and the success of your business, and you're, you're, you know, you're getting all these great backlinks which are pushing you up to the top of the Google rankings, that's going you know, to send a lot of traffic your way over time. But you know, this is a years-on, years-on strategy if you want it to succeed. Well, it's a matter of being persistently consistent, as I've been saying exactly. for many years. And you know, there are there are certain things you can look at in terms of building this up. Let me make a few comments. I've been around this block enough times. I've seen Google release pandas and alligators and calico cats and everything else. They were supposed to radically uproot the meaning of search engine optimization. And every single time the dust settles and the flash in the pan uh, fades out, what is the one consistent thing 
that has always been there. And 99.99% will always be there. Backlinks. Backlinks will never die. What has evolved is we now have the emphasis, thank goodness, on quality backlinks and not BS backlinks from a bunch of spammy fake satellite sites. We're now looking at quality backlinks. So you uh, get featured uh, as a thought leader through media. And that website is a quality website that's been around for a while. And that's pointing back to you. That works in your favor. So let's say you have a focus on new media. And in my company, we help people uh, get bookings on new media, such as podcasts, live streams, and things like that. Your good podcast, your good live streams will have a website where each episode is featured and it's uh, advertised as a blog post. So because your episode, just like Business Creators Radio Show, we have a website, businesscreatorsradioshow.com. It's a WordPress blog. The episode that you're listening to right now is featured on a blog post on Business Creators Radio Show. That blog post is tied into an app that propagates the MP3 of this, rec- of this interview once it becomes a replay out through iTunes. It goes through Blog Talk Radio. It goes through 20 other syndication networks. It goes through our social media networks. All of that. Plus, businesscreatorsradioshow.com has been online for six years. We actually had the website hosted a year before we took the show live. So six years it's been online. Six years. And it has over 270 episodes featured on it. We've driven millions of visitors to it. Do you think it would be valuable to have a backlink from businesscreatorsradioshow.com to your website because you were featured on our show? Exactly. That's exactly it. And, and, it's, 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 and I find it fascinating because that is, that's almost PR gone full circle. Yeah. Let me ask you two other questions. Do you think that that backlink is going to change your life overnight? No. No, no. However, do you think that that backlink is going to be a sturdy brick in your foundation in the way that once your foundation is set up, you don't think about the individual bricks, but you count on the stability and the consistency they give you as you continue to enjoy your house? 100%. Exactly. That's it. That's it. And I think for me, that is where PR and SEO meet in right. quality back quality backlinks because and whether it's uh, from a podcast like yours, you know, a really really well respected, long established podcast, uh, or if it's a mainstream media outlet like the Guardian or New York Times or TechCrunch or whatever, um, you know, what we we used to look for in the old in, before you know before the world of the internet was you know if you were running a restaurant or whatever you wanted a great review in a newspaper because everybody would read it and go God Sunday Times thinks this restaurant's brilliant it must be good and that is essentially exactly the same mechanism that is happening with backlinks but in a digital space and building that right. reputation over time it, but it's the set as what it's it's all about trust it's all about trust and I love the fact that Google has taken you know, the the, the, the the algorithm to a place where it is really measuring the quality of the backlink because you can't argue with that, can you? You know, because, the, and, oh. and, and like I say, it's all about building trust. And so if your business is getting regular links to trusted sources of information, and that is what people, you know, in, in a world of a billion tweets and a, a trillion websites, what's going to set you apart is if people trust you. And so you have to be linked to other trusted sources of information. And to do that, yeah. you need to have good stories. Because if you have good stories, good media outlets will want to write about you. And that is how you square the circle. Okay. All right. So let's deal with some uh, – let's pretend it's an octagon. And we still have three sides we have to cover this octagon <laughs> in the next uh, 12 minutes here. So let's ramp up the pace a little bit because I know there's a few takeaways we want to give our audience. So number one is – how do you find the newsworthy stories in your business? Thank you. Okay, that's a good one. Um, mapping, first of all, that might sound boring, but sometimes you can look at your business and think there's absolutely nothing, nothing newsworthy, nothing of interest to a journalist about me. That's absolutely rubbish. We have a process called StoryFinder at ClassPR.com, ClassPR.com, which is a five-step process. It's it's a kind of a, it's a template that you use. It looks at the different stages of your business from where the investment is coming from, from where you're hiring your team, from your founder story, 
to your day-to-day -day operations, to the impact you have on your customers. You look at those five different elements of the business and you understand that what makes news is something that's a first, it's disruptive, it's innovative, it's challenging, it's impactful. And by using those metrics against those five categories, you can start to map what in your business is newsworthy, either for your geography, it might just be a local area in your town, it might be nationally, it might be internationally, or in your sector for the particular business uh, sector that you are operating in. So that's a very blurted way of doing it, but if people had a, head over right. to class-pr.com, you can get a hold of a free story finder template there, and you can understand uh, a, a way of understanding what makes your business newsworthy. Right. Absolutely. And I think that I think that going along with that, the importance of storytelling or story selling. I know when I give interviews myself and when I do teaching presentations, I lean heavily on stories because people love to hear stories. They like to see how the hero won. They like to see how the hero lost. And you heard me say earlier uh, about the two, maybe three uh, advertising companies that I would recommend anybody even have a conversation with. And the thing they have in common is they have a story about how they screwed it up at some point because I know that they went out there and did it, and they have a compelling story that says, well, we know it works because we know it doesn't work. We didn't read it in a book. Absolutely. We went out and did it. That's a story that inspires my trust and makes me feel totally. them to be a thought leader because they took the lead. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and I think the, the willingness to be transparent and admit to mistakes as well is, is really important. But when we're talking about where to find new stories in your business, yeah. it really is understanding about where you've been innovative, where you've, yeah. done a where you've made a first in some sort of way. That is absolutely criti critical. And if you're the second of something, a journalist won't care. So, so there is a real process by which you can, you can understand how to do that. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, next question here is, once you have these newsworthy stories, how do you pitch it to the media? So, as quickly and as clearly as possible. So, I've got a great guide, actually, online, again, at class.com, which is all about how to write an ultimate email pitch, and I've written thousands of them. Um, so, it is about... The process of understanding what makes something newsworthy in your business is critical because that is how you will pitch it. So once you've found that like five-word news story, you've, you've distilled your news story down to five words, that should be basically the subject line that goes in your email because uh, most journalists get at least 200 email pitches a day. So unless your email pitch leaps out of their inbox, they're not even going to click on it. So once you've, you've got a – and don't fill that email uh, subject header full of hyperbole. Just stick to the facts and make it clear that you've got a cracking story in that email pitch uh, you know, don't beat around, don't beat around the bush, you know, don't be all, oh, hi, how are you? Uh, you know, I hope you're having a nice day. You know, it's straight in, hi, I've got a great story about X. So you immediately say what the story is about your business, then link it back to, to, to the journalist to make it relevant. I saw you wrote about this recently, and I thought this was a great way to take the story on. Do not say, I saw you wrote about this recently, so will you write about us? That story's done. You need to give them a way to develop a story. Include your press release. And when I say a press release, I don't mean a boring, hyperbole written list of information. The sorts of press releases I used to get as a journalist and delete hundreds a week. <laughs> Essentially, at Class PR, we teach people what, when I say a press release, we're actually teaching them how to write a news story. So you include that in your email so they can see straight away that, okay, wow, this is a, this is a pretty much ready-made news story. You know, I can just copy and paste this pretty much and change it or maybe phone up for a few more quotes. And then include a great high, uh, a Dropbox link or attach a, an image to you as the spokesperson. But, you know, there's right. a real tight process for pitching a basic story. Like I say, head over to our website and it's, there's a, like an 11-step guide that I've got there. Follow that every time. You know, you're not always going to get media coverage. That's the nature of PR. It doesn't work every time because there's a lot of competition out there. But if you follow the proven systems for what makes things newsworthy, how to write a newsworthy story, how to pitch it, you are going to win way more than your competition do. Precisely. I am I'm with that 100%. Now, in the time we have left here, and I know that you actually have a resource for us on this, but I think this would be a good way to uh, converse a little bit because, again, we're talking about 
reaching reporters, pitching to the media, getting that reporter's attention, especially, and when you think about who a reporter is today, this is somebody who is working on a tight deadline. They have 200 people a day trying to get their word in, and you need to stand out from that, just like with the work that we do with getting people uh, in my company uh, connected on new media outlets and making them memorable. There's something that you need to do uh, in being a thought leader to be memorable to the media. And one of the strategies, one of the timeless strategies, of course, is writing a press release. But, Alistair, as I know you're about to share with us, the game of press releases has changed a bit, and there are some things we really need to bear in mind when writing an effective press release that's going to get read in the first place and has the best chance of receiving a good response. 100%. So do not write a press release that is basically an advertorial, that is talking about all the benefits of your product or the benefits of your service or how wonderful you are. You've got to start. Your press release must be first and foremost a news story. And that's why I keep coming back to this thing about what makes your business newsworthy, what's going on that, that will be of interest to a journalist. So study the media. You know, like I say, mainstream media or, an, you know, or a blog that's relevant to you or a big podcast, listen to those media outlets, read them and, and get a sense of what they write about and think, how can my business fit into that space with the story? And then when you write your press release, start from the point of view of writing a news story. And, and, and that, that's why we offer training on this, because you're not going to know how to do this unless you receive training, frankly, from a, from a journalist or somebody who does this day in, day out. Because right. what you will tend to do is to write a list of benefits about your product, like I say, or benefits about your service. In fact, what you want to do is to think about well, how does this, what is the impact does this have? How does this change things? How does this innovate? And so you need to write a press release with a killer headline, fewer than eight words, an intro par, like I say, 25 words, absolute maximum that completely that encapsulates your entire story in those 25 words. And, the reason, and so even the journalist doesn't have to read on beyond that. They know exactly what the story is. You then develop the story in uh, paragraphs two and three, include intelligent, passionate quotes that describe the why behind the story. Why have you done this? Why are you launching this? Why are you bringing this new product to market? And then further down, you can have a bit of background information. But essentially, a quality press release is all about those first 25 words because that is what is going to – that's what a journalist will read and go, oh, wow, this is a great story. We should write something about this. That's all they need to make that decision. Trust me, 99% of the time. And – Crucially, they then have to go and sell that story to their news editor or to the editor. And so they need to be able to, to, to tell that story quickly. And if you've muddled it up or you haven't really made it clear what makes this in, a news story or first or disruptive, they're not going to take the time to do that because, like you say, they're getting 200 pitches a day. So unless you give them – and, and frankly, you know, where there were once 50 journalists, there are now five. So you've got to do a lot of the job for them. So right. learning how to write a truly newsworthy press release is still massively important. Not, and, and I know there's a lot of debate out there about is the press release dead? And yes, the old style press release is dead. And frankly, it always has been because it gave too much work to the journalists to do. What we teach people to do is how to write a newsworthy story. We call it a press release, but it's a news story that is news-driven right. first and less about, like I say, advertorial tone. Hey, we're the greatest soup makers this side of New York and we're launching, you know, it, who gives a damn? They're not, you know, news media is not there to help sell your product, frankly. It's there to tell stories that are of interest to their audience. Now, you may sell as an indirect result of that. That's the game you've got to play. Right. Exactly. exactly. And, yeah, and, you know, I've, uh, you know, been involved with press releases. Uh, there's somebody who's in the business creators community who has a company that distributes press releases, and I've seen so many folks who garble up a press release because they actually try and make it all about themselves. They get handed yeah. a template. And I know that, and I, and, I, and, I, and I actually I know that to get to for our listeners, which we'll get to in just one minute. You have an actual template for them. Uh, they're handed the step by step. There's, I believe, twelve parts to it. Uh, some models have 10 parts, some have 11, some have 12, whatever. But there's a specific step-by-step. -step. Literally, this is one or two sentences. This is what it needs to be about. Or this part is the quote. 
this part is the summary. This is how many words it needs to be. And they'll say, oh, no, I have so much more to say. I No. Yeah. No, because yeah. you're not focusing. Yeah. I mean, this is where our entire conversation this past hour now comes full circle because we spent the first 20 minutes on the reality of the digital world, people's time spans, and how you get people's attention and what has changed. This is an example of something that, has changed only in the sense that people are finally catching on to the way to do it right, but it's always been there. So the idea mm-hmm. of a press release is not because the reporter needs to know everything about you or it's so important that we have to get this in there. It's about how do you get that the reporter to quote you? Mm-hmm. I'll tell them whatever they need to hear. To, I'll, I mean, I, I'm just going to come out and say it. I'll tell them what they need to hear within the realm of facts to get them to quote me because I, cause I'm on – their timeline, I'm on their level. 100%. The rule number yeah. one we say is help the journalists do their job, not the other way around. Yes. Don't go to a journalist looking for them to do you a favor. If you do that, you've lost already. A journalist has a job yeah. to do, which is to create new, new, a journalist has a job to do, which is to create news content, news content every day. Right. There is therefore a space for your business, and you need to understand how to get into that space by helping them to do their job. And so it's not about writing an essay about the wonders of you and your business. And that's, frankly, that's where 99% of people go wrong. And that's why they then give up on PR or thought leadership and go, oh, it doesn't work, whatever. It's like, no, 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 you've completely got it the wrong way around. You've got your eye at the wrong end of the telescope. And if you understand how to do it, it's actually relatively easy. <laughs> but most people don't spend the time to understand how to do it properly. And it's about, you know, an old yeah. Churchill phrase, if I had the time, I'd write you a short letter. There is, a real skill exactly. in dis- there is a real skill in distilling the core of your argument, the core of your news story, down into as few words as possible. Because if you do that, it has way more impact. And that's what you've got to do for a journalist, yeah. because that's what they have to do. Yeah, as a closing thought here, I mean, I think we've all seen those, uh, we've all seen those movies on Lifetime Movie Network where uh, the person has a passionate cause for some kind of social reform, and they find the the beleaguered reporter at the local newspaper because the police won't listen, the legislature won't listen, the school won't listen, uh, society won't listen. And they go up to this reporter who hears them tell their story so passionately and tearfully that they are moved to drop everything and take on this cause. That's great for Lifetime Movie Network stories, but in the real world, if you want that reporter to take on your cause, You've got to make it valuable to them. Yeah, it's not so much appealing to their sense of getting, giving them the feels. It's a sense of getting on their deadline. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they this yeah. is their job. They do it every day, day in, day out. And you, you are just one of ten stories they'll be writing about today or this week, or depending on what publication you're on. So you just need to. Uh, play by their rules and and give them the information yeah. after. And crucially, what people you know need to appreciate here is that if you do that, that is the beginning of a good relationship with that journalist. And then you start to create a virtuous circle where they're going to come back to you in the future because they know you're reliable. They know you can get a thought leadership quote exactly. in ten minutes, maybe when they have ten minute deadline. They may have just a ten minute deadline. And I, yep. I've been a journalist. I'm like, Christ, what am I going to do now? Like, I know, I'll phone that person who always gets back to me with something really insightful and interesting. Exactly. Exactly. You're there for them. Absolutely. So uh, we have 90 seconds left. I want to give uh, at least 45 of those to you. You have a gift for us. Tell us about it. Uh, Yeah. So basically all the listeners can get hold of our free press release template. This has been used for literally thousands of of media pitches. If you just head over to class-pr.com, uh, click on the blog and you can see it there. It's just a how to write a press release and definitive guide. It received a huge amount of love online. Yes, it, it explains the structure of the press release, but crucially how to make something newsworthy. So you can download the template. You can then download the worksheet that goes with it as well, which literally it, it is a press release written as a teaching. So it takes you through all the different stages and how to apply them to your business. Uh, and on that as well, if you sign up for that template, you'll then get as a bonus uh, a free eight-part PR course. That is an email course. Awesome. Eight days. Yeah, it's really honestly the feedback I've got to this. I'm so chuffed. It's eight days worth of lessons. In each lesson, we take you through the process of understanding how uh-huh. to find news stories in your business, what makes the news worthy, how to pitch, how to bring it all together with a killer news uh, press release, 
So if you you can go direct to that actually if you go to class-pr.com, right there yep. on the homepage button, free PR course, get hold of that. Very eight good. emails in your inbox every day, and uh, you awesome. will uh, you'll be a lot wiser after that. Okay. All right. Well, Al- Alistair, uh, thank you so much, uh, Alistair Clay of Class Hyphen PR. Thank you very much. It's been an honor and an education. Adam, it's been an absolute joy to be on the show. Thank you so much for having me. All right. For everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.